Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am the host of the show. Hello and welcome to episode 48, I think. Oh my god, we're nearly at 50. Um, it is so lovely to have you here. If this is your first episode, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for all the regular listeners and friends and people that I don't know, oh my god, hi. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who reached out after last, um, not weeks, two weeks ago, episode with Neve Cassidy on our journey to veganism. Um, really inspiring stuff that I was sent. Thank you to Katrina who sent me a message saying that she went and bought um, veggie burgers instead of planned chicken for dinner that night. That just made my day. And yeah, to the people who found it uh, resonated with them, there were some vet students that actually reached out that were delighted to hear that they weren't the only ones kind of feeling a bit isolated in their profession. So honestly, thank you so much for sharing it, for the people who shared it and passed it on thank you and for everyone who tuned in thank you. Now this week we're going to be talking to another youth climate activist called Saoirse Exton. I want to wish you all though a very happy Pride. Before I get into it this of course is June this month and this weekend just gone we celebrated Pride so I just want to wish all my LGBTQIA plus followers here I hope you are accepted and loved in your circles no matter no matter where you are that's what the least you deserve and yep I I will continue to educate myself on issues and just everyday stories as well and um yeah join you guys on the streets when we're marching for for rights across the globe because as I said on Instagram um there over the weekend there cannot be like climate justice and a prosperous planet if there is oppression of anyone any being it just it just doesn't work. What's sustainable for the planet doesn't just mean water resources. It also means what's humanely, socially sustainable. And it's not sustainable to have anyone's rights taken away from them. So, yeah, absolutely happy Pride and sending you all so much love. Now, Saoirse Exton is an activist with Fridays for Future. Fridays for Future is the group that was set up um, in response to Greta Thunberg's like Fridays uh, Friday school strikes where she sat outside a parliament building and has been doing that every single week for a hundred and something weeks now I don't know I can't think of the number off the top of my head but for a very long time they've been taking some time or the whole day off a Friday to protest for the future and we'll talk all about that in this. Saoirse is also a fellow climate ambassador so the climate ambassador program is something that I got involved with this year it's run by two amazing activists Gary and Grania and yeah you basically are given a toolkit and some education to make your own actions do your own actions be it beach cleans or protests or what have you and also give communication talks to your local school or community groups and it's really I'm loving it so far and Saoirse was a part of that program last year and we talk a little bit about that in this but I actually went to a forest bathing event over the summer solstice um, weekend that Gary hosted. It was amazing spending a couple of hours in a forest. I turned my phone off walking around. It was just lovely and yes I said this to my friends before I went. Now, 
there is no actually bathing involved. There's no swimming in a forest or taking your clothes off. It's like you're immersed in the trees. The trees bathe you. The trees wash over you. It's like meditation. Oh, it was amazing. Um, but no actual bathing was involved. But I really love that. So definitely check out the Climate Ambassador Program. Um, loving it so far and I can't wait to even meet more people in person so exciting but yeah so Saoirse was with them and I want to really stress the importance of listening to young people because oh my god the society that we're in today really does think that because people are young they must be naive you know all they care about is TikTok or eyeshadow or hanging out or whatever but children are so intelligent and compassionate and that's I think a huge thing that politics is missing is compassion and I remember being younger than Saoirse and caring so much and people go oh yeah fair play to you for caring and don't actually listen you know so really really make the effort to talk to the children in your life about these issues and we'll talk all about you know how to kind of approach that with Saoirse but make sure as well that when you're engaging and soaking in information so this podcast is one kind of source of inspiration and education um, but you need to make sure you're getting diverse voices no matter you know I'm one working class person in Dublin you need to make sure that you're also listening to LGBTQ people young people old people native indigenous people people of colour Asian people, black people, trans people, you need to make sure you're getting your stories from everywhere on all across the globe so that you're getting the whole picture. So just make sure whatever you're reading or listening to or watching that there's diversity there because if we're only getting one angle the whole time, we're probably missing a huge chunk of the story that's really important. And oh my God, I cannot wait for Saoirse and her peers to be able to vote. I just, yeah. So look, I'll let Saoirse do the talking She's amazing and I hope you find this as inspiring as I did. And uh, one other thing I will mention is to listen to a podcast called Ecolution. It's an Irish podcast um, that is run by another youth activist and they interview like loads of kids. They interview some adults as well. It's kind of made for kids, but I love listening to it. Sirja has a really good episode on there as well where she read this really powerful piece from her diary that she writes in every day. I really love that I listened to it before interviewing her but I I didn't want her to repeat anything you can, I'll link that for you to listen to in the show notes I'll link her pages and yes thank you so much for being here don't forget I do have a Patreon account patreon.com forward slash book of leaves if you like what I do and are in a position to be able to support it financially or you can give once off through Acast and please continue sharing it thank you so much and you can rate review subscribe And yeah, one other thing. I know I keep saying one more thing. I was on another podcast this week or this month um, by Party Pooper. So they're a Canadian podcast run by Philip and Alethea. And Philip got in touch to chat about my journey to veganism, kind of, and what's it like in Ireland compared to Vancouver. I ended up talking about fairy trees again. And yeah, I really, really love that chat. So that'll be linked on my socials. So go give a listen to that if you want to hear me be the one chatted to as opposed to asking other people questions okay that is it enjoy here's Susha and I'll see you at the end for a very quick goodbye Susha 
Saoirse, thank you so much for your coming on to the Book of Lee's podcast. I am very excited to talk to you as a fellow climate activist and climate ambassador. So thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's your mom's birthday as well, so I feel kind of guilty about that. So we'll definitely get you back <laughs> to your mom from, for some celebratory cake ASAP. But um, I like to always get my listeners to find out a little bit more about my interviewee. So for anyone who wouldn't have a clue who you are listening, can you introduce a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, and what you do, that kind of stuff? Of course. So uh, my name is Yersha. Uh I am a climate activist from Limerick. Uh, I'm currently in TY, but you know that we're in April, so it's almost over. I've been in the kind of climate activism business for a little over two years now, um, and you know it's just been an incredible experience. And I'm also the equality officer of the Irish Economic Students Union, and so yeah. for someone who's in ty you have a cv longer than my 27 year old self (laughs) it's so impressive you mentioned a couple of things that we'll touch on later that you're doing but you said you've been part of the climate activism business because we're making so much money off of this Um, and what got you into climate activism have you always and like were your parents or family kind of climate aware did they nurture that in you or did you see something yourself that made you kind of care about the environment do you remember the starting point um I suppose there's a starting point on us because like I feel like a lot of activists it's it's just the way we're brought up and so it's like it's just natural really when it comes down to it to to kind of to join an activist movement um and so for me I suppose like as far back as I can remember my parents were always very open about things I didn't necessarily always understand like politics or or things like that because you know how could you when you're like five but like I was always very aware of what was going around in the world I knew about climate change as a lot of people kind of knew about as as this kind of abstract um kind of concept Uh, But I didn't realize just how bad it was. What happened was that 2018, when the appeal referendum was going on, basically, I think we went to the the kind of count um, afterwards. It was a great experience. Remember, everyone was like, yay, when when the the yes side was on and then, oh, when the no side was on. It was it was it was great. But apparently afterwards, I don't remember this, but apparently afterwards I changed my mother and I said, I think this is my feminist awakening. And, you know, it was <laughs> it was later that year that I that I saw the videos of thousands of peoples in uh, Australia out in the streets protesting for climate justice. And it was March 2019 when I, when I finally decided, because I, I think at, at first I was a bit kind of wary and I was like, how do I actually start this? Like, how do I start something in Limerick? And then... I just decided to do it so yeah here I am. Wow and when you saw this march in Australia for climate justice you know people might think we're fighting against climate change what is climate justice about? So climate justice and I think it fluctuates depending on who you're talking to but the universal kind of concept seems to be you know equality of voice for all um, people of colour Uh, for all sexualities, for everyone, not just the few, but the many, you know what I mean? Because the problem with this this crisis is that it's so centred around that top 1% and the people at the top of the patriarchy patriarchy and, and the most privileged people. And 
because of this, everything that these top 1% does is beneficial to themselves. But if we start having a global approach to the world, I suppose, um, then everyone, then we can eradicate things like poverty and poverty and gender, um, you know, injustices and like racial injustice and things like this. All of this ties into the climate crisis. And if we don't actively work to to combat that and um, alongside in things like environmental work and, and and work on like biodiversity and things like that then we're not going to be able to solve the climate crisis um, and unfortunately like it's difficult now because we don't have a huge amount of time left and so like ideally we could have worked in this maybe 40 years ago and so it's really hard because we have to do it all at the same time now and it's like a big chaotic kind of uh, effort but it is possible so yeah okay um no that yeah that is so important. Climate justice uh, incorporates so many communities as well. There's the areas that are now being referred to as MAPA, most affected people and areas that uh, usually, typically, um, 99% of the time have done the least to cause the the climate crisis and are suffering the most for it. So when, there's, when I see activists, you know, um, partaking in protests, you know, the, the kind of um, more disruptive kind of protests they're usually always like talking about these people because we lobby and we pass laws for to safeguard our future but there's other people's present day right now that are suffering because of climate change so yeah I think what you said is really important there's all these communities that we always need to think about and there cannot be climate justice without racial justice and gender justice and yeah so <laughs> I'm already like seriously for president in my brain you are involved with a couple of different groups you've got a lot going on so let's see we'll start with you mentioned you're the quality officer for uh, USI no not USI uh, ISSU so very similar yes it's the Irish second level students union and it's basically the representative body of second level students um, and obviously it's a little bit different from things like USI for instance because we don't really have as much power people don't really listen to us as much and yeah but it, it's a really really awesome organization and I'm really happy to be a part of it. Do you think people don't listen to you guys because of your age? Oh yeah absolutely I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that pe- young people are always referred to as like naive and like foolish and things like this and I, I think you know because I'm a young person and obviously I'm naive in some ways because you know I haven't experienced all of the world I think it's kind of a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because of a lot of young people kind of go oh I can get away with certain things because oh everyone thinks I'm naive and foolish or I don't have to care because I'm naive and foolish I'm a young young person you know what I mean or oh I'll learn this when I'm older because I'm naive and foolish right now you know what I mean it kind of all ties into each other and young people are not really respected as people um anywhere in the world and we're always uh you know treated as the other and for some reason age means wisdom um and although that might be partially true there are a lot of older people out there who are not (laughs) who simply are not wise let's just say Mm -hmm. that Um, and and I just ridiculous to 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 weigh wisdom and to weigh capability on experience and years lived and even years involved like there are people who are just joining the climate movement now who are much more capable than people who may have been going for years and years and years or the same amount of capability or less capability like it's not based on how many years you've been at something but for some reason because this world is entirely dominated by adults 
like entirely like there's no young people involved in in any decision making bodies in any governmental agencies in anything we we mean nothing we we literally we do not contribute to the economy we we don't like we don't pay taxes a, a lot of us anyway like obviously young people can extend to like 25 you know onwards i think in the eu it's defined uh, or in the un it's defined as babies to 25 is the kind of young people bracket it's such a broad so many years to not be considered valued or you know like enough to listen to just because you can't vote you might not like pay taxes or whatever but yeah that is something that young people really do suffer a lot is this just presumption that if you're against the whole climate change thing you don't think that it's as bad as it is they just think that you know you're being like overly dramatic or children throwing a tantrum or something and then on the other side they might think that you're just like taking a little bit too far like just we, we've got this or whatever which I imagine is really frustrating but like the biggest frustration is we're often belittled because of our youth a couple like like during one of the climate strikes I think it was a news talk or something the, one of the presenters said something really weird about like you know good luck to them but they should just go back to school and do the, their knitting or something um I don't know when knitting is taught at school like never (laughs) what (laughs) so you know um and and it's really frustrating because it's so easy for young people to be exploited like so easy like for instance I was um I was a delegate of the RTE Youth Assembly back in November 2019 that's so long ago I can't believe that that's wow but like yeah I I remember being really frustrated by this because the whole marketing of the of this kind of thing was we want to give young people a voice and I remember thinking we already have a voice like there are so many of us that are already vocal you just need to listen to that and provide a platform for that then I I remember on the day it was so selective and young people are also probably the easiest way um, of being tokenistic involving young people especially diverse range of young people from like different socioeconomic backgrounds and, and all of this stuff it's a great way for politicians and for governments to say, look at us, we're being great. Like if you have a group of adults who are doing something, it really doesn't, it it isn't as impactful as if you have young people, simply because Mm -hmm. young people have been forgotten about and treated as completely um, useless, basically in in the eyes of of society as a whole for so long. And it's just really disappointing because I feel that there is a drive to listen to young people, whether it's from the the individuals themselves, like the populace as a whole, because we see the RT Youth Assembly, we see Corlinog like still existing, we see ISSU getting more traction, we see all of this stuff happening. And you know, recently, like the PA did a youth consultation, um, and I was involved in the youth advisory group of that, um, and it was really disappointing because for me, I think the best way to get young people involved in politics, the best way for them to understand politics, the best way for them to actually advocate when they grow up and maybe run for politics or vote is to provide platforms and open spaces facilitated by the government for political discussions, for meaningful contributions to politics as a whole. You you know what I mean? Like, I I mean, it's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous that we don't have a decision-making body, a directly elected decision-making body within the government. I don't understand, like for young people, sorry, that's (laughs) like, I don't understand why that doesn't exist. And people think that sounds really cool and, and really unusual and really kind of, new and like forward thinking but it just makes no sense to me that it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. like we should have democratic power 
maybe not over things like referendums and things that could change the constitution, but definitely some form of youth government. I don't see why not. We have enough money for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we can give the greyhound industry whatever, 17 million, pretty sure we can we can have a platform that we can hear the voices that already exist there of our youth. Would you ask um, adults or parents, anyone listening with younger people in their life, like I imagine there is a, you know, some people probably try to shield their kids, um, you know, from what's going on. But what would you, what would you want, like, parents or aunts and uncles to do when they have, like, young people in their lives? Would you want to th- to talk to them about politics or climate change? And would you want them to, as a voting person that's valuable to the politician, you know, relay messages kind of on your on their kids' behalf, you know, be like, like, where is this 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 platform that you just mentioned there? Like, why does it not exist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, that was the way I was brought up. You know, nothing. We watched the news in my house. Like, nothing was really shielded from me. Obviously, there were certain things that you have to shield. Like, I mean, I didn't learn about the Holocaust until a lot later. You know what I mean? Like when I was maybe 10, 11, 12, because like, if you're younger, it's just something that you probably can't even conceptualize. So there are certain mm-hmm. things, obviously, that you, that you can't, you, you can't cover, but there are certain concepts that you can. Um, and that's really important to reinforce because like, l- small kids are horrible. <laughs> like they bully so much. They oh see God, anyone yeah. that's different. And they're like, oh no, no, we can't have that. Like I, I was some picked on in school like me I am like white as white can be you know what I mean and I I come from a high socioeconomic background like it was nothing to do with like anything other than the fact that I had a slightly different mindset from from anyone else and I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are members of marginalized communities you know and I just think and I don't think that can be avoided like I obviously do have memories myself of being you know a little twerp um (laughs) but like I, I think it's really important to have discussions with 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 children and young people about like things like equality and and justice and and climate change. Like one of the debates um, against voted sixteen, which I am obviously wholly in favour uh, for, is that it would be taking away the childhood of the voters. And at first of all, I have two things to say. To that first is we don't really like a lot of act don't have a childhood anymore it's been taken away by activism it's been taken away by the constant anxiety that we face and the grief that we face and the action that we have to do like for me climate action is a necessity at this point if I'm not involved in something my anxiety just blurts out of me and that's why lockdown has been really difficult for a lot of people because there haven't been those spaces and secondly it's ridiculous to think that politics is equated with adulthood because it isn't politics affects young people it does it's politics is everything it's literally the the fabric of of our society and it can change the fabric of our society and the the fact just blatantly blatantly ignoring that it affects young people means that it's so obvious that it isn't written for young people so i i can i can't understand it either <laughs> but yeah it could definitely be made you know in the meantime i think it is parents' responsibility to, to you know, bring this information to 
their kids not in a condescending way young people are so much smarter than people give them credit for and there is a there's a person that was on this podcast before um Laura Kehoe who started this initiative called Green Santa where it was basically um adults and kids wrote to Santa asking what they wanted for the planet for the future the parents were shocked at how much their kids knew without them realizing and how much it made them sad already and how much they were aware and you know th- these are conversations we need to have all the time and yeah growing up like RTE was the boring didn't well when the news came on it was like oh not the, oh, the idol program oh like go away I want to watch the Simpsons but I think you know they really <laughs> my, my parents just you know I think they they loved like then having a break and have the sitting room to themselves for a little while but yeah I think it's really important to kind of to definitely talk not shield too much um but on something that you said earlier about, you know, um, you know, some people saying the news talk presenter saying you should go back to school um, when you're striking and what you're doing is a necessity because like I've talked about it before and we won't like go into it, but like we're literally fighting against the extinction of so many species and people and it's horrifying. So what do you say or how does it make you feel when people say, you know, you shouldn't protest on a Friday because with Fridays for future, that's the point. You take Friday off or a portion of your Friday, you protest for your future every single week and you're missing school. So what is your argument for that, I guess? I'm not, <laughs> just for other people to know because I agree with you completely, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's a completely valid question. Yeah, so I suppose the way that I see it and the way that a lot of other Fridays Future activists see it, see it obviously it's different for each a- activist, is what's the point in studying for a future that we might not even have? You know, and I think that's that's a really integral message and that's why we the striking has started happening at all. Because the thing is, the, the truth of the matter is, if, if Greta Thunberg had sat down in front of the Swedish parliament on a Saturday, I would guarantee you that the reaction would have been completely different. Um, I feel that in order to kind of express how important an issue is to a group of people, uh, we need to sacrifice something. And that thing is our education. And even then, when we sacrifice that, and obviously it's not even all of our education. I mean, like when people are like, oh, why do you take time off school? I'm like, it's literally one day. It's not going to change my you know my, my 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 record forever i'm missing like one class of like maths and one of irish you know it's not a big deal do you take the whole day off or is it just a part of the day i used to okay in third year so in in second year when i started i did but then in third year um i just took off maybe last two classes of my, my day maybe the middle two because i had pe double pe and i do not like pe so uh i just skipped it <laughs> like please <laughs> please have pe on a friday please have pe on a friday yeah <laughs> I'm like I had PM P on a Friday two years in a row, so like I was very lucky, you know. <laughs> but anyway, you know. Uh, but yeah, I I just think for me it's like when I'm sitting in school and we're not learning about the climate crisis and we're not talking about the climate crisis. You know, maybe it's a bit like obsessive. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. But like I feel like everything at school should be focused around it. Not everything, everything, but a lot of things because. Mm-hmm. The, the truth is, it, it is one of the biggest crises to face us as human beings. And if we don't overcome it, it will spell the end of human civilization as we know it. And that sounds a bit like scaremongering, but it is the truth. You know, experts have said that and have been saying this for decades. 
And I would genuinely rather be out feeling like I'm contributing to something, feel like, feeling like I'm doing something than just learning for, again, a future I might not even have. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah. That's why you go on a Friday instead of a Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and hopefully <laughs> parents and teachers, I know some teachers listen to this as well, uh, support their their students did you do you find support from from school or what's the kind of relationship atmosphere there it really depends on the teacher okay. like I remember one year I think in second year I think it was we had kind of Christmas summer exams I think it was or some sort of exams coming up it wasn't like mocks or anything important um and on the day that we had our Irish like listening exam uh, it was the day of one of the big strikes, like the massive strike. So I couldn't have just skipped the strike for the day. I was like co-organizing it. I was speaking at it. I was leading it. Like I had to be there. And the teacher said this and I put up my hand and I said, oh, I won't be at this. I can't. I'm on a strike. And he said, well, you'll just have to fail it then. Eventually, like I did do it in a separate room with a couple of other people who weren't there on the day. But it's just a bit ridiculous because I feel like if I'd been like, oh, sorry, sir, I'll be out. I'll be at a sport game, you know, he would have... He would have facilitated cared. you. Yeah, yeah. If, if you were yeah. going to a yeah, GAA yeah. match. Sorry, but this country is exactly. built for GAA. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Whereas like the alternative, the, the kind of flip side of that is that I had a maths teacher and he came over to me one day and he said, um, I, I'm really, like, I'm really supportive of what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I said, I have a pamphlet. Do you want it? And he was like, yes. And then he stuck it on his, um, he stuck it on his corkboard for like the entire year. It was so amazing. Oh. I used to, I walked in every day and I saw it and I was like, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, no, it's not, it's not that like, I don't think the school has like a general opinion on it. Like they don't, sometimes my principal might retweet stuff. Um, but only the stuff Ooh. that like looks really good. If you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but they're also not really like for it so yeah I mean I can understand because they you know their goal is to educate students but like you said what's the point in education if the planet is broken um, the jobs don't exist anymore you know um so Fridays for Future how do people get involved and is it you know it's a youth-led movement but can adults show up to protests how where can where can people find you guys and are there local groups oh, tell us all we need to know yeah so Friday's Future is very like loose it's not really an organization um and it's very much like I said loose it doesn't have like any structure it doesn't have anything which is it, it can be it's a bit of a blessing and a curse um I would say the benefits probably outweigh the costs in a, in a lot of ways basically like you can start up your own group and that's fine nobody cares you don't have to seek permission and that's brilliant there are a lot of local groups the biggest local group is Dublin of course because it's Dublin um there are local groups there used to be one in Tipperary but I think that's gone now unfortunately there's one in Limerick that's that's my one there's one in Cork uh Clare I think there was one in in Kerry somewhere in Kerry for a while Greystones carry or something um there's basically there's this one in Galway they're all over they're absolutely all over and even if they aren't all over you like it's very easy to just start one up just you know you can just get a sign start a social media page take photos of yourself out and about or take photos of yourself outside your local council building every Friday you know it doesn't even matter how long you're there for adults are of course welcome I think 
the most important thing about climate change is that it's an intergenerational struggle. So it has to be an intergenerational fight against that struggle, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's it's really awesome when I see a lot of like older people, whether they're whether they're parents or not, like coming and joining and, and, and giving advice and kind of passing on wisdom or whatever from the kind of older generation to the current one. Uh, that's really awesome like that kind of allyship and I, it's really it's really um valuable because there like there are a lot of things that you know as an activist I don't know and so it's really nice to have especially as like a woman as well it's really nice to have a network of, of other older women who who you know maybe it's like a counselor so they know about politics or maybe they, they're a teacher um, or maybe they they can give me advice just on like issues surrounding feminism um, and, and issues surrounding sexism and things like that. Yeah, I mean, anyone is welcome. And that's the importance of it, because if, if anyone wasn't welcome, then we wouldn't be a climate justice movement. So, yeah. Good. Cool. That's good to know. What do you think about individual change versus system change, individual action versus like corporate action and stuff where do you where do your feelings lie with that i feel that the emphasis lies too heavily on individual change like that said though it is important um i just want to like i I say this wherever i go because i found out about this recently and it's absolutely ridiculous the fossil fuel company bp they coined the term carbon footprint and so this means that 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 they were they literally a corporation was putting the blame back on individuals and that just annoys me a lot because you know, there's a, I think 100 companies produce 71% of global carbon emissions. So corporations are the ones doing the damage to the planet. And it's really important that the government puts regulations in place, and that governments work together to put regulations in place. So no kind of safe havens for safe havens for environmentally uh, destructive corporations kind of are created. Like, and I think individual, like I kind of said before, individual action and, and kind of collective and corporate action They're not mutually exclusive, but at the same time, we need to ensure that when we're looking at action, we're not just looking at individual and that we're actively lobbying for governmental and collective and corporate action. Because, you know, it's really important to go vegetarian, like you said, it's really important to where you can cycle and where you can walk and and recycle and things like this. But at the same time, the system is inherently built against being being environmentally friendly. Like public transport in this country is terrible. You know, there are importation of fracked gas. You know, like there was a massive fight against the Shannon and Cork LNGs. This system doesn't want you to be environmentally friendly because it doesn't benefit the system. And so it's really important to do both. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yes. I do. I know exactly what you mean. And to get the system change, I mean, when you're not the Taoiseach and you're not a politician and you're not the owner of Coca-Cola, the only way to do that, from my understanding, is to protest and is to, to lobby, sign petitions. But like, it's kind of, you know, the heat is really on right now that, you know, petitions, I think, only get so far that that's why you need to be on the streets, isn't it? So it is, it is of course, unfortunate that COVID kind of took our mass protests away from us because the buzz around those is amazing. Um, but hopefully we will absolutely be on the streets soon and there's online campaigns for sure as well. But I want to ask you just kind of around, obviously as well, individual action and system change and spreading awareness and recruiting people you're also a fellow climate ambassador so can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that program and you know how you found it 
Yeah, so I suppose, I, I think climate ambassador is a brilliant example of intergenerational uh, climate action because there's so many people of different ages. I think in my year of climate ambassadors, because I'm, I'm finished up now, you know, with, with that year, uh, I think the youngest was nine and then the oldest was 60, 70, you know, and that's that's brilliant, that kind of age group. Like there is everyone in between and that's really, really important. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get the full experience because obviously COVID was a problem. And so I wasn't able to go to any events and like a lot of my actions were cancelled. Like I was planning to do this whole tree planting thing. It was going to be awesome. But, you know, sometimes you you can't do those things. Mm. Um, uh, But it was the kind of network. um, And I think we went to a training uh, in January last year and that was it was just such a nice atmosphere and we just just discussed discussed climate change with people who were so different from one another but like in good ways you know what I mean and, and it was it was just a great great brilliant experience yeah yeah I'm only yeah it's weird kind of meeting everyone and doing talks and stuff just on zoom now because I do feel obviously in person you'd get more kind of buzz and excitement but it still is really lovely just meeting people that care about the same thing they're honest to God between the Climate Ambassador Program and Extinction Rebellion, Animal Rebellion, social media, like people that I follow are what give me hope all the time. Just seeing that other people care and do stuff and like you to conquer my climate anxiety. I just have to do keep doing stuff, do anything, do something, just be doing something all the time. Definitely. So, yeah, that's a good program. I'll obviously I'll link that um, in the show notes if anyone is interested in becoming a climate ambassador. But on back to kind of <laughs> the the series kind of protesting stuff. Do you think that uh, you said earlier that, you know, you shouldn't have to be protesting like this shouldn't be a problem and you have lost a part of your childhood to this. How do you feel about the future? Like, have you got plans? Are you still, you know, thinking of a college and a job that you want to kind of go down and do they differ or is it different to environmentalism or do you think like you're going to spend the rest of your life in the environmental in the climate business as we said earlier (laughs) I think wherever I go I will always get involved in activist groups uh, whether it's about environmentalism or you know LGBT issues or anything really like I'm up for it that's just who I am. Um, but to be honest, I don't think I would go ahead and and study it. To be honest, I just don't have that much of an that that much of an in depth um, interest in it. You know what I mean? Like it is something that interests me, but it's sort of not something that I would want to spend the rest of my life doing. I I don't really know what I want to do. Yeah, I I really don't know. Like I'm looking at different courses just because I'm in TY, so I might as well. I'm very interested in things like sociology. I have a mild obsession with mythology, especially Irish mythology. Dirty. You know, I'm kind of interested in, like, philosophy and, and, and a little bit of psychology and maybe archaeology, maybe a little bit of biology. I really don't know. <laughs> there, like, that's no, a lot of yeah, no, I was just curious. But I want to, I feel like I could chat to you for so long. Like, honest to God, seriously, you have such an amazing way of communicating this crisis. And you're like, I agree with everything that you're saying that I'm just like, honest to God, please be the next Michael D. Higgins. Um, (laughs) So, but I'm also where it's your mom's birthday and I don't want to keep you forever. So I'm going to ask you a couple of like random questions now. But there's one that I definitely want 
to ask you, which is, what is your favourite protest memory? Okay, um, wow, okay, that's difficult. I suppose there's like, uh, there's, there's many. You know, there's a lot, there's a certain euphoria you get when you stand up in front of a crowd and you give a speech and, and, and then you, you start chanting, like, there's that. And that's happened, like, several times. So, you know, that's, that's brilliant. But I suppose I was a delegate to the, so the summer meeting in Lausanne, Europe. And so it was in Lausanne, Switzerland. There's about 400 of us Fridays Future activists from across Europe and further afield, actually. And we met and discussed a bunch of stuff that was kind of inconclusive, but it was fun anyway. Um, And (laughs) we we had a protest at the end. I think it was 30 degrees and it was so boiling hot. Like it was and like if it was 30 degrees, but it felt like 35 for you because we were all closely packed and we were all walking like down down the street and and it was it was just absolutely roasting but it was such great crack because there were all these people from like the Netherlands from Italy from Sweden from places that I never thought I would meet people from you know what I mean like I met someone from Israel I never thought I'd meet someone from Israel you know what I mean you know and we were all just marching together in unity 2,000 of us because uh, there was more people that joined, obviously, um, marching together through the streets of Lausanne. And then finally, when we got to the kind of, we, we went to like uh, Lake Geneva, so that, you know, that really famous lake in Switzerland. And we all just like ran straight in. And it was, it was really, it was amazing. It was just a brilliant, brilliant experience. And the best thing, I think, was that nobody was really leading the march. So sometimes I might be in the middle, sometimes I'd be at the front, sometimes people would just kind of curl around like it was really awesome it was just it was just awesome yeah oh that sounds amazing oh my god what a lovely oh just I can picture like I've got such a lovely picture in my head um that's really really cool that's such a deadly memory okay so can you pick a letter in the alphabet and I will read you a random question f f f f um if you had a superpower what would it be Okay, this is easy now because I would have like the ability to control time because I think that would be so handy if you needed like you don't you would never have to study again basically because what you could do is you could stop time, you could get your answers out of your bag, just kind of fill in all your all your test answers, plagiarize some stuff off the internet, you know all that stuff, and then start time again. And you'd have to wait there for about two hours doing nothing and pretending to write whatever. But, like, you would be entirely correct. And, like, you know, that would be very nice. But also, like, time travel would just be so awesome. I'd love to go back in time. And I suppose, especially with, like, Irish mythology, a lot of the stuff isn't written down. And I'd like to know what the original myths were. Yes! So I'd yeah. love to, like, go back and, be and like, talk to, like, some some random Celtic dudes in a field and be like, so, yeah, tell me about your myths. Yeah, or like, how did you build Newgrange? Like, how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. or like, watch it happening. Like, watch it happening. That would be awesome. Um, Or like, another really, really cool thing to do would be to like, go back to your last known family member, you know, your furthest back ancestor and just like, kind of like, follow them back and see how far back they go. And like follow their family back for like decades. That would just be so awesome just to see like where you came from, like what your heritage is, you know? Yeah, that'd be class. I really want time travel now. Get me out of this place. Gosh, that's that's a very good answer. Okay, pick another letter. Okay, C. C. Three things you'd bring to a desert island. I would bring 
a Percy Jackson book because I can never get enough of Percy Jackson. I mean, I assume food and drink is already accounted for because otherwise, is it? Is it in the- um, it's, it's an open, open question. I mean, there's probably coconuts on the island. Might be a strawberry bush, you know. Strawberry bush. You yeah. never know. <laughs> yeah, though I would love to find a strawberry bush in the middle of a tropical island. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I do wonder where <laughs> they came be- from, actually, originally. I'm yeah. trying to grow strawberries now. But okay, so say your food, there's a no- lovely, what's it called? Begins with B, not a bouquet, that's flowers. Buffet. <laughs> there's a lovely buffet on the island, so you can relax about the food now. Okay, so yeah, Percy Jackson book. I probably get, I probably bring like a notebook and pen. I mean, I know there's two things, but like you know, I take it as a unit just to to cheat this, um, because I always love, I love writing. So I feel like if I didn't have anything to write on, I might go insane, um, because I'd be like, oh, this brilliant story idea. Where am I going to write it? And I can't like go and write it on a tree. That's just annoying. Yeah, so. and the sand would just like blow away if you wrote it in the sand. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then the third thing I bring. I'd probably be like a lifetime supply of strawberry sherbets. Like, I know that there's already food on this island, but I just, you know. They probably don't have strawberry sherbets. So, yeah. If they did, I would be very happy. I wouldn't have to. I would never want to leave again. (laughs) You'll be happy out in your 35 degree island just run into the sea all the time. Amazing. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, we'll go for one more. So, one more letter. Okay, S. S. Oh, if you had the whole world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Hmm. I don't know, actually, because, like, 30 seconds is a very short amount of time, so you can't really, like, talk about the entirety of, like, the world's history. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of people in the world are very kind of unconscious to a lot of issues. Um, and I think you know a lot of people seem to think that the 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 kind of two polar opposites are on the rise you know what i mean we have the far right and we have the the far left or whatever but i actually think that although they might be stepping into the light a lot more and and maybe there's more people joining them through social media like true i think the most maybe not dangerous but the most detrimental group of people are the people who are kind of in the middle who don't really care um or if they do care they don't act on it yeah so they don't, maybe they don't vote or, you know, obviously some people don't vote for different reasons. That's fine. I understand the frustration with voting. A lot of the people are the same. Um, yeah, it feels like there's no change happening. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but like. So you, so you would speak to those people in the middle, you think? I would, I would aim at them and I would go and I would say something along the lines of probably just make them panic. Like, <laughs> you know lol we're all gonna die <laughs> sorry <laughs> um or like for for want of a better term because i feel like you know a lot of far-right con- conspiracy theorists have taken this on but like wake up i suppose because i i feel like you know you know in the matrix i do genuinely feel like we have some form of that going on like i don't know um and i think a lot of people are kind of stuck in their own lives a lot of people with privilege like i, I understand there's a lot of people who who may live in in, in Mappa, for instance, um, and who may who, whose entire entire lives might have to be consumed by by getting food on the table, you know what I mean? And that's important. Obviously, I understand that, but I feel like there's a lot of people that can afford to care who don't. So yeah. 
That's a good thing to say, I think. If you had the world's attention, definitely. Um, so one takeaway thing, if you're to offer one leaf to people to add to their own way of, of fighting for a better world, what would you want people to do? I think it's really important that people take on their own initiatives and kind of jump to do things. Because I feel like if we have a whole society of, of invested activists who have jumped up and joined movements or jumped up and started striking or, or done something, um, whether it's like a petition or whatever, you know, we will have, we actually as individuals will become the collective and we'll be able to kind of overpower the government and other corporations because the true power is in unity and it is in people power and we don't have to wait for things to happen and that's the most important thing. So I think just don't wait, just get out there and fight. <laughs> I love it. Saoirse, thank you so, so much. I have loved chatting to you so much that I definitely want to have you on the podcast again. And honestly, thank you so much for everything that you do. I'm going to keep working for your future and my own future and everyone's future. So, um, yeah, I just hope that we can all do what needs to happen. I have faith with people like you and I cannot wait, cannot wait, Saoirse, until you can vote and the Fridays for Future Movement can vote. Cannot wait. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we do have a couple of 18-year-olds. So, you know, next election coming come around, you know. Excellent. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, now, didn't I tell you? She was amazing. Such an inspiration. And we need to, again, stop thinking that young people, anyone under the age of 18 or even under the age of 10, doesn't have anything valid or worthwhile to contribute to climate justice issues or any political issues. We need to open dialogues with the young people in our life, with everyone, and Stop not taking people seriously because of their age or gender or anything about them. It's just not okay anymore. So I hope you guys got something from this. I will definitely, definitely have Saoirse on again, maybe in a couple of years to see, you know, where she is in life. I just, I really love this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well please uh, share it with someone if uh, you liked it share it with a whatsapp group of friends or into a facebook group or with someone you think might enjoy it because I really think Saoirse's story is one that needs to be told and yeah that is it if you have any suggestions or questions for me please don't hesitate to reach out I love hearing from you guys and if you have any requests for topics or people that you'd like me to reach out and interview let me know and I will do my best to get them on the show so I hope you guys are having a lovely Monday or whatever day of the week it is look after yourselves look after each other look after the earth and I will talk to you in two weeks time take care bye